You're listening to the Slumber Party Podcast with your host, Amanda Jusen, a mum of two girls, a child and infant sleep expert, and general sleep lover. If you're a tired parent who is desperate for answers or just someone who loves sleep, this podcast was created just for you. Each episode is packed full of tips and tricks to help you maintain your sanity as well as your social life during the early stages of parenthood. So grab your headphones, it's time to get comfy. Okay, today is a super exciting episode. I'm speaking today with Aitha Kamani. She is an anesthesiologist, all-around lovely person, and a former client, as these people have tended to be. Um, Aitha and I worked together a little while ago, and what I loved most about her is how easy it was to talk to her. And she also has a really cool job, right? She She's helping people in the most painful times of their life feel pain-free. So we've had a lot of pretty interesting conversations. I really wanted to have her on the podcast to talk about things like epidurals, mom shaming, you know, all birth being a good birth, a natural birth. Um, And so she has lots of fun things to say. I know that you're going to love her. Enjoy. Okay. Hi, Aitha. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. And how are you, Amanda? I'm so good. So we're going to follow the trend of um, Amanda talking with all of her past clients, but it didn't really, I didn't mean it to be that way. (laughs) I've now said this on every episode, but as I went through, I was like, huh? I mean, I can't say all of the people that have been on have been my past clients, but, um, you were, Mm -hmm. and, uh, we, well, number one, we're both talkers. So, Uh, I did an in-home consultation at your house and I remember like once Karishma was sleeping, we were like, okay, let's just talk until I leave. (laughs) Yeah. And pretty much my husband was sitting there thinking, when can I have a beer, you know, and let you guys talk. (laughs) Well, I remember you saying that afterwards he was like, well, I know that you talked about a lot of stuff, but did you ask all the questions you wanted to? (laughs) Like, did we get what we wanted out of this baby sleep? thing or what? <laughs> oh my God. 100%. Like we had just asked all the questions we ever needed to. And the thing is with Karishma, she fell asleep after 20 minutes and yeah. we are always singing your praises because since that time, which was when she was five months, she's nine months now, she's been sleeping through the night, which is why we can do this podcast. Um, yeah. So it's, it's been mind blowing to be honest. Well, and I think um, I think why I was so interested in having you on, in addition to I know that you'd be a great guest and a good talker, is okay. we're both in. Um, yeah, my pleasure. Um, <laughs> we're both in positions where people may judge our job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell our audience what your job is? Okay, so I am an anesthesiologist. Um, I work at actually, it's now seven different hospitals. Um, I belong to uh, McMaster and Niagara Health. And um, I, I, yeah, so I'm basically the person who would do an epidural should you choose to have an epidural. 
and uh and yeah so after everybody's favorite person yeah sometimes well hopefully <laughs> um we we try like i i love my job because obviously um i get to help people with their pain and who doesn't like to to do that and also to help people go to sleep when they have their surgeries and you and i share that in common where we realize how important sleep is um mm. so the sleep doctor obviously called uh, an expert for sleep <laughs> because we know well, how important it is well, and you want your anesthesiologist to be well rested. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You do not want someone poking a needle on your back when they're sleep deprived. <laughs> no, no, you do not. And I can confirm that you are well rested, which is great. So you mm -hmm. did the right thing. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, why I guess I was so interested in your job is I remember during my whole pregnancy, just there being a lot of chat chatter uh, and conversation around, you know, epidural, no epidural, um, risks, issues, blah, blah, blah. And, and at the time, um, I'm very, like, I, I wanted to have a, a drug-free birth, but that isn't because I was trying to be a hero. It's that I'm really deathly afraid of a not being able to feel my body, but also needles. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And the idea of a needle in my back was so terrifying. So I was very afraid oh. and, um, I did everything in my, Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. It's sort of cutting in and out, but I can hear you. Yes. Hello. Oh, okay. Perfect. We'll no. just edit that. Okay. Oh. oh, there might be a big delay. I'm not sure what's going on. Hold on. Um, okay, can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. Okay, okay perfect. So we'll just edit that. That's sure. fine. Um, so I remember... Uh, you know, being pregnant and uh, just being totally freaked out about the needle thing and doing everything in my power not to be induced because, you know, you hear everything. Oh, my gosh, if you're induced, it's game over. It's like all the interventions. And the joke was uh, I – I did everything to induce my own labor, including castor oil. And I've talked about this on this podcast before. It was a disaster. Don't do that. I did it with, with medwife uh, supervision. Um, but it was um, my baby came two weeks late. I did have to be induced. And in the end, I got the epidural. And it was the best thing I have ever had happened to me. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, that's so good to hear. And and you had an amazing anesthesiologist, as I as I recall. Um, yeah. Well, you were telling me there's like five of you. Yeah, ever. exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, like female anesthetists that were actually a, a small breed, but we're, we're very happy to help out other women. And I think also just changing the stereotypes that you hear and changing the mentality is also so important to me because there's so many moms that I meet that are in agony in labor. And when they call me, the first thing they say is, I'm so sorry. Um, I never want an epidural. I don't want to give drugs to my baby. Um, please don't tell anyone I'm weak. And it's just, and I, I just felt, I feel so bad for these yeah. moms because um, you're not harming uh, your baby, you're, you're doing something to, and, and to help yourself and to also 
help you get through this very important part of delivering your baby. Um, And I don't think that there's any shame in asking for an epidural. and when it's when it's medically needed. And I think that there is a lot of value in terms of the, the safety of an epidural and then how effective it can be in, in helping your labor. I mean, obviously, you have to check with your doctor, and this isn't to give you any medical advice here. Um, disclaimer, but, disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, big disclaimer. I'm all about that. Um, but the, the whole idea about shaming other women um, who are getting epidurals and, mm-hmm. you know, other women who's like, oh, I had my baby naturally and think that they deserve a badge of honor which they you know it is painful so good for Mm -hmm. them but for women who Mm -hmm. got an epidural they also get deserve a badge of honor um because it's it's hard to have a baby and labor is difficult regardless and i don't think that you're a bad person for having an epidural but i feel like it's almost sad that our culture has kind of shamed people into doing that or feeling that way i should say Um, I'm actually listening to another podcast right now called The Dream and season two is all about, you know, the quote unquote wellness industry. So like anything beyond basic medicine um, she explores and she has an episode on birth and, you know, the idea behind the idea of like experiencing the the pain allows you to bond more with your child. And, you know, if you're not doing that, you may not be bonding with them the same way. And, you know, this always, this connects so deeply. I mean, at the time when I was pregnant, I really identified with that and I didn't want to not have that bond with my child. But having been on the other side, I feel like there are so many connections for me between this and, and, you know, sleep training where we tell parents, well, if you do this, you're, you're not going to love your child as much, or they're not going to love you. And there's, they're going to be damaged and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're not, you're not sacrificing yourself enough to be a good mom where, you know, when I think back, um, I couldn't push my baby out if because I was in so much pain. I was in a medically induced labor without any pain medication for the majority of my labor. And I couldn't imagine fathom even pushing the baby out. Um, the second my second child was um, unmedicated, but that was kind of by accident. I was very open to the drugs and then it was too late. Then the baby was there. So smile. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But but um, having, <laughs> having experienced both, I feel like, like sleep training, the epidural allowed me to have a really nice experience giving birth in the end. Um, and it allowed me to be really present when the baby came. And so like sleep training, you know, once you're sleeping, once you're human again, yeah. um, you're, you're going to be able to give more. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, um, I actually had a a relatively, I hate to say it because I know a lot of people have terrible labors, but I actually had a relatively easy labor. I was um, eight centimeters, fully ruptured, and I, yeah, I'm ready to go. And um, I actually like didn't need necessarily 
need to have the epidural at the moment that I requested it. Um, I probably could have gone a little bit further, but I, I knew the benefits. I knew the risks and I was completely comfortable getting an epidural. And to be honest, it hurt less than the IV. And to be honest, it was way less. None of that stuff was less than the way less than the contractions. Um, so that was my personal experience, but I guess my whole point is whether you choose to have an epidural or you choose not to have an epidural or you choose to have an OB or you choose to have a midwife, it's always your decision and you shouldn't let anybody make you feel bad about that decision. And yes. you might have a plan going in and have your birth plan. I love the typed out birth plans. I'm, I'm a planner myself, so I like it when people have a plan. Um, and then you can toss it out the window, which nine times out of the 10, it does get tossed out of the window um, yeah. because it's a dynamic process and that's okay. And we're here to help you and we're here to help you make the right decision for you. And yeah. Nobody else should make you feel bad about your decisions, whether it's pain control, whether it's sleep training and getting yeah. to sleep training. I, you know, you know, I went through to through school for a number of years and I had an education about how important sleep is, especially being an anesthetist. And um, I was shocked at how much I got swayed. And I probably could have slept trained uh, Karishma earlier, but I waited because I let so many people get in my head. And Mm -hmm. they were all telling me that, well, you know, I, I just stayed up with my baby. It didn't matter if they were sleep trained or not because I loved my baby. And it just made me feel like, well, then if I'm sleep trained my baby, do I not love my baby? Of course I love my baby. Well, I don't love my baby. That's why I'm sleep training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it, they, people just made me feel so bad. And then my daughter was born underweight and everyone said, well, so you're going to just starve your baby overnight? And I said, no, there is a plan. I'm sure we'll work out a plan. But in, inwardly, I knew I knew how important sleep is uh, for her at, at that age. And I knew she just wasn't getting it. And mm-hmm. it, but it was a real struggle to not listen to my own voice, even mm-hmm. though I knew it was right um, yeah. and it was evidence based. And instead, I was letting one person's my neighbor's opinion or a friend or my mom get in my head about things that were were completely false in the end. Yeah. Well, and what I love about your story, I use you as an example all the time because it was so pronounced, is that, you know, especially with babies who haven't been gaining, like, you know, we might want them to on their curve. Mm-hmm. Um at a certain age, I mean, I've talked about night feeding on this podcast. At, at a certain time, um, you know, babies will take out that feed, which happened with uh, Karishma. We had actually planned yeah. to keep the feed in. Mm-hmm. And then she made other plans. And I mean, the craziest thing about this is that she's gained more weight not eating at night. And this happens a lot with my clients. And when you explained it to me, it made total sense. But at the time, I was so scared. I mean, I remember the first night. So after you left, uh, my husband and I just watched the monitor and we said, okay, well, so as soon as she wakes up, we will feed her, right? We're doing it. We're doing it. it. Um, And and she didn't wake up. And I I know my child and I know that when she's hungry, she'll wake Mm -hmm. up and she, she, she didn't. She didn't need it. And the next morning she woke up and she drank 
of her bottle properly. I remember at the time when we were first chatting, she would only drink 60 mLs at a time. And then it went from 60 to 180. And now she has 300. Now she's on the 45th percentile for weight, which is the highest she's ever been in in her life. So I think when we first met, she was in the fifth or 10th percentile. Then a week after or two weeks after we worked together, she went to the 25th. And then I've been continuing on the plan. And now she's 45th. And it's just it's just amazing. I mean, it's yeah. it shocked everybody. It shocked our pediatrician. And, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't solids. People say, oh, it must have been the solids. We were giving her solids before. It yeah. was it was sleep training. We noticed a huge difference um, with with that. And I think babies who this isn't true for everyone. And if you are confused about night feeding, you should listen to my night feeding episode. I believe it should be airing before this airs. Um, but People will often think that a reduction in night feeding may, you know, obviously it's like we're taking away those calories. How can my baby possibly gain weight? And the a baby who's snacking and snoozing all day may not be eating as efficiently. For sure, there are babies who do, and they're fine, and everything is good. But there are babies, I mean, a lot of babies who, if they're not I see in my work, there's like a lot of babies who are not eating and those are the babies who will cut out their night feeds and then mom and dad will be totally freaked out because they're like, oh my gosh, they don't eat during the day. How are we going to do this? Um, And then they start to see that once the sleep improves and once you have a rested baby who's eating when they are alert and aware, they take more and they're way more efficient. Um, So I always try to remind my clients, I'm never trying to starve your baby because (laughs) that would be horrendous. Um, And babies who need to eat at night should eat at night. Um, And people make it very clear that they need to eat at night. Uh, And, you know, I get messages all the time about like, should I stop night feeding? I'm like, I have no idea. I'm not about that to make that suggestion for you. Again, go back to that night feeding podcast. But if your child does take out their night feeding and they're eating better during the day, you're probably okay. But as always, definitely check with your doctor, talk with a a professional um, and get a get a good idea of what you should do. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is don't let also let other people get into your head. If you know Mm -hmm. your child and you know what, like I knew exactly that Karishma was, had serious FOMO. She'd play all day, would not eat. And at nighttime, every, it was like pretty much every 15 minutes. And Mm -hmm. um, people said, oh, well, you're, you're used to that. You know, you do call, you're up in the hospital. And I am up all the time. And to be honest, I mean, I've had call shifts that were worse than, you know, being with my child, obviously being with your yeah. child is yeah. way better than, than doing call. And it wasn't right. really the fact that I was awake with her, but it was the fact that I knew she needed her sleep. Like it was mm-hmm. fundamentally important for her to get her sleep. And I think sometimes we forget that and we think we're sacrificing for our child for greater good for our child because society makes us think that, oh, well, this is what we should be doing. And, 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 and that guilt needs to stop, I feel, because different children have different needs. And I I think we need to look back at what the evidence shows and the evidence shows that, you know, had Krishna was five months old, I think when her sleep training that she needs about 14 hours of sleep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, 
I love that. I mean, how many parallel? Well, and I, I can't help but think when we're having this conversation, like, what is the dad equivalent of this? What sort of pressure exists for the other half? You know, like no one is really, I think dads have far less guilt in this whole thing. It's very annoying. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, to be honest, like it was, it was actually driving my husband crazy too, because even though I, it was funny because even though I was fine with being up and I was like, you know what, I can do it. I can do it. And he's like, yeah, but I can't, you know, and it it was really, I'll be honest, it was affecting our marriage um, because he would put Karishma in, in the crib and basically say, okay, no, now you have to sleep. And yeah. of course, she's five months old. She, she, has, she has no idea what he's saying. And <laughs> crying. And, you know, we would get into a fight. And it, it wasn't healthy. It wasn't yeah. healthy for our marriage. It wasn't healthy for our daughter. It wasn't healthy for me. And I think I was really fooling myself by thinking, oh, no, it's okay. It's, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. And then I, I saw the difference in her feeding uh, my marriage, uh, let's be honest now, and also in how focused yeah. I was with her during the daytime because I had that sleep. I had that clarity. Totally. And I think that uh, I think that really resonates with literally everyone listening. <laughs> I hope so. so I, I would love so. to know. I would love to know. So you have a super cool job, in my opinion. Um, I think that, you know, what are some things that you, a piece of advice that you would pass on to moms, um, you know, thinking about an epidural, not thinking about an epidural, I guess what to consider, like if we, if you're pregnant, um, what are some things to think about if you're thinking about whether or not you want to have an epidural? Well, I think if you have any questions about the epidural, please know we're at your disposal. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people say, oh, we don't want to bother the doctor. No, this is our job. Our job is to educate you and help you. And even if you're not in labor, if you have questions about an epidural, when you go for your regular OB appointment, just say, you know what, I'm not sure if I want the epidural. I'm not sure about the risks and benefits. Can I talk to an anesthesiologist ahead of time? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't think people actually do know that they can do that, but yeah. absolutely you can. Um, yeah. And, you know, especially if you're on the fence and you're like, I'm, I'm a huge planner. And so I, I knew ahead of time what my, my plan was going to be, knowing that it could change at any minute, depending on yeah. how my health was going. But I think if I was not in the field, I would, I would want to have that conversation, right? Just like how yeah. you'd want it, like, just like, for example, with sleep training, you have a consult before the program. Um, and it's the same way with anything. Um, and I think that's really uh, a, one way to really get over yeah. some of the anxiety about it, you know? Do you think, I didn't know you could just ask that. <laughs> yeah, you totally can. But do you think that would have helped you if you knew ahead of time? Um, I do. I think I was very – so, like, you know, and I guess I want to circle back to my story because I didn't kind of mention it. But I, my, I think my fear of needles still – uh, prohibits me from wanting to do things. Like I don't like the idea of being put under or like numbness or basically feeling out of control. Mm -hmm. So that's just a phobia that I'm not sure anyone could make me feel better about. It's something I will, 
I don't know, have to go to therapy for a long time for, I don't know. Um, but, uh, I think that in the end I, I had the needle in my back that I dreaded so much. And honestly, it was nothing like I've had blood taken that hurt more than my, my, um, epidural. The whole thing was like a breeze. I don't, it sounds horrible when you think needle in the back, but like, (laughs) I did feel, I mean, I can't say like I felt my whole body, but I didn't feel like I was, um, uh, what's the word, like paralyzed. Yeah. I felt like I was still very much in control. I felt very cool, calm, and collected. And from everyone else, I can't think of anyone I know who had the epidural who said that it was a bad experience. So I think sometimes our fear can yeah. actually stop us from doing things that are really good for us again, link that back to sleep training. But um, I think that, you know, I, I don't know if talking to someone would have helped, but you know, I, I wish I had, I guess, maybe someone could have told me how like painless it was going to be or how easy it was going to be. Yeah. And, and, you know, and to be honest, I actually didn't like, I, I give epidurals and I can tell people, um, that, you know, the literature sh- shows that it's, it's, it's actually not as painful as getting the, the IV put in yeah. you and you, yeah. you can have all that experience and all that knowledge, but until you go through it, you don't actually know. And when I went through it myself as a patient, I thought, wow, like this is way better than I, I even thought it could be. Um, but I think, I think there are a lot of misconceptions. I think, um, I think, first of all, one of the things I did want to mention about the epidural that may be a bit technical, but may help people with their anxiety is Mm -hmm. the needle is in your back, but it is below the level of your spinal cord. Okay. So I think that would help people to know we're not actually sticking a needle in your spinal cord. Um, Yeah. And and it's like, it's, it's minor things like that. But I think that that actually really helps people to say, okay, it's not where my spinal cord is. It's below that. Um, And of course, there's always like minor nerves that can be there. And we always warn people about risk, but we're not putting it right into your spinal cord, number one. And number two, if you have fears about the the pain about it or, or, or what's it going to feel like, I mean, we hear that all the time and we can help you talk to you about it and help you kind of alleviate some of the fears. Or if there's a medical reason why you can't have an epidural, we'll acknowledge that and we'll come up with another uh, pain plan for you. We're here to help you in the best way possible. Or if you say, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. We're fine with that too. Um, We're always here to to help you make the best decision for you and for your baby. Um, And, you know, I've had doulas in the room and people think, oh, well, uh, are you okay with my doula being in the room? Because I know you guys have different philosophies. It's like, we're all here to help you. So, you know, doula, you have an OB, you have a midwife, you have a best friend, whatever is good for you is good for me. You know, well, and I, I just had a very minor procedure done, nothing scary, but I just had it done. And I had, um, in talking with my doctor, I sort of said, she's like, oh, we won't put you under, but we'll sedate you. I still didn't love that. So I was like, what if we just did local freezing and I kind of dealt with the pain and she was like, we can try. Yeah. And the, uh, anesthesiologist was really open and, 
just really um, on board. You know, he, he I remember him saying like, look, I, most people don't do it this way and you're going to feel pain, but the lowest risk is nothing and I'm here to support you and we'll set you up. So if you change your mind, we'll be ready to go. And yeah. they, I just felt really heard. And I think that's half of the battle that I was like, well, if this sucks, I'll get the drugs. To be honest, it did suck, but it it was over so quickly that I didn't really have time to care. <laughs> yeah, and and that's and that's ideally what you want from your from your anesthetist, right? To work yeah. with you, right? Nobody's totally. trying to push you into anything. Nobody's trying to shame you into getting an epidural or not getting an epidural. We're just here yeah. to support you to have your child in the best and safest possible way. Um, and, and I think that's what your job is too, right? To support yeah. others and help them because you've been through it and you know what it's like. And, um, I was always, and I think when I was looking up sleep trainers, because obviously, uh, there is, uh, there's a number of sleep trainers that are out there, but what really resonated mm -hmm. with me was when you wrote in your profile that I really like to help people. And this is what I've done in the past to help people. And I thought mm -hmm. that, you know what, that's, that's how I approach medicine in my career. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to work with someone who really felt that their goal is to help other women. Yeah. I love it. We have the best jobs, I think. I do. I think so too. And I think it's because yeah. we, we like what we do. Number yeah. one. Um, I think yeah. that helps a lot. And I, I always think that, um, to support other women going through this journey because motherhood is tough. And I think right before we started this podcast, I was telling you how I just started putting my daughter into daycare and yeah. I was rushing back because my, my operating room list finished early and I was so excited to, to go and pick her up from daycare. And mm -hmm. this other doctor told me that, Oh, putting her in daycare was the worst thing I could do for her. <laughs> and I just felt so deflated and yeah. I just came home and I had tears and then I went to pick up my daughter thinking I was this terrible mom and she had this huge smile on her face yes. and she didn't want to leave and I got this report about how engaged she was and how she was talking to other kids and I just felt so comfortable in my decision and I thought well why did I let somebody else make me feel so bad yeah. about something that yeah. I spent so much time thinking and talking about but it's just these yeah. voices in your head that just make you yeah. that just come out of nowhere and then yeah. get in your head and then you can't get them out and I think if there's one message I wanted to leave people with is just that to to trust yourself and if your baby is not sleeping or you're in pain and mm -hmm. you don't know what to do and your, your baby's crying all the time I mean talk to an expert talk to your anesthesiologist talk to a yeah. sleep trainer and get educated and make a decision that's right for you amen I don't know that I could say anything else other than that that's so wonderful Aitha, thank you so much for coming. Thank or you so much, Amanda. This is amazing as always. And you, you are know. a very busy woman, and I know what this took to get you here. So I really appreciate your time. And so oh, does everyone well, I else. I such a and wonderful if, time. <laughs> it, it, well, thank you so you much for having some me. Surgery, 
or epidurals, go to the Niagara region and ask for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a lot of work, but I'm always happy to take on more. Um, and yeah, Amazing. I might be on call one day. I might be, I might be there to help you out. I hope I'm there to help you out. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Slumber Party. If you're ready to help your little one get the sleep that they need and get your nights back while you're at it, make sure to check out Amanda's signature DIY sleep training courses or work with her directly. For more details, head over to babiesbestsleep.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe, like, and review. Happy sleeping, everyone. <laughs>